Misadventures of the Millennial Version Podcast. <laughs> I'm your host, Mia, and y'all here we discuss the unspoken truths about faith, life, love, and sex. We are at season two, episode two, y'all. I'm super excited because I have a very special guest on the show today, and this special guest, I'm going to kind of let her introduce herself a little bit um, so you can get to know her because we have some tea for y'all today, and I think <laughs> it's <a> real good tea. <laughs> so, Melanie, go ahead and introduce yourself. Um, hi, everyone. My name is Melanie. Um, please bear with me. This is my first podcast ever. So I'm super nervous. Ah, <laughs> yes. <don't> nervous. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been like rehearsing and trying to get my pitch right and everything. So, um, but yes, first, like, thank you, um, Mia, for having this. Um, I don't even know how like one day I was on Instagram and I found your um, Instagram and I saw that you were looking for people and I was super like, do I want to share? I mean, I've shared with so many of my friends and family. So I was like, you know what, let me just go ahead. And then I found out she was in Texas. I was like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so like I'm originally from Maryland, born and raised. Um, I actually went out to Houston for college. I went to Texas Southern. Mm-hmm. Um, loved Houston. Yeah. Loved the people. Loved the food. Oh yeah. Did not like the weather. <laughs> <laughs> that Houston humidity, I I couldn't. Mm-mm. But um, I loved I loved Houston. I thought I would have stayed, but I came home. I was homesick. Um, um, yeah, so- I'm my mom's only child. So, oh, that makes she, sense. She yeah. wanted her, she wanted her poopy home. Her poopy home. <laughs> that was she called. <laughs> she wanted her poopy home. Yeah, she calls me poopy even oh, at twenty seven. And where are you located? Um, I currently live in Akakeek, which is Southern Maryland. Um, but I grew up in like Largo, which is Prince George's County. Um, I'm about right now, maybe fifteen minutes out of outside of maybe twenty minutes outside of Virginia um mm-hmm. 25 minutes outside of dc oh okay, okay. so living right so right so getting into dc and virginia is a breeze and in houston people couldn't understand that because you drive for hours and you're still in houston yeah and girl yeah i drive 30 minutes and i'm on a whole nother state so. Yes. Yeah. When you said twenty five minutes, I was like, "Oh, I probably would have said DC, but that's a whole different thing." <laughs> so you can't say that. <laughs> that is hilarious. Oh my goodness! Wow. Okay. So, um, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm glad that you kind of shared like how you found out about the podcast because that's you know what that's one of the really good benefits of social media because a yep. lot of times we don't really put ourselves out there, but you never know what happens if you do. And you never know Uh how that can help somebody else or how that can, you know, the result can be you collaborating with somebody who, you know, is passionate about a similar topic. So I'm so glad to have you on season two, (laughs) episode two of the Misadventures of the Millennial Version podcast. You ready? (laughs) I'm ready. (laughs) Okay.
<laughs> okay, so just so that listeners can kind of have a little bit better, um, more of an idea about who Melanie is, um, tell me a few fun facts about yourself. I know you went to college at TSU. I have a lot of friends who went there, and you're originally from Maryland. Um, so just kind of tell us a little more, more about yourself, what you like to do, and then, you know, we can just go from there. Um, I love bowling. Mm. That is the only sport I can do. It's the only thing I'm competitive in. Mm. Um, I don't do it as much as I used to. I used to be in leagues growing up, but I love to bowl. Um, my favorite fun fact is that I do not know how to ride a bike. (gasps) (laughs) No. I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing with you. (laughs) It's okay. People are so shocked. And they're like, you don't know how to ride a bike. Your childhood must have sucked. And I'm like, no, it didn't. Wow. But I'm making up for it. I'm going to Soul Cycle, which is like the (sighs) super hype um, cycling class. So I'm making up for it. Yeah, yeah. Um, So you ride a bike. You just don't ride the one that moves around and stuff. Yeah. Right. Mm -mm, I don't need that. (laughs) <laughs> um you mentioned I'm bowling. Mm-hmm. No, bowling. I suck at bowling. Okay. Like I think my highest score I probably have ever bowled is like in the sixties. And oh yeah. <laughs> so what's your <laughs> highest score that you can remember bowling? <laughs> I have bowled probably the highest was like two sixty. Oh wow. Um and that, but that was a, a while ago when I was really consistent and going. Um, mm-hmm. But now, now I'm bowling in the high 100. I'm trying to get back into the twos, but as mm-hmm. with anything, you know, I got to get back into the groove of things. Um, oh. But I love bowling. It's just a good, it's a good workout. <laughs> you know what? My parents actually, like when I was growing up, my parents used to be on like a church like bowling team and like throughout the year <laughs> like they for real <laughs> yep. they would be like they would have like six or seven to a team and like different churches or in the area they would have like um I don't know what they call them competitions or you know um meets or whatever and they would go and like they were real serious like my dad had a, an official his own ball they had shoes yep. and all that stuff I was like yep and we would you go. gotta have the ball, you gotta have the bag, you gotta have your shoes, the shirt, you gotta have like <laughs> everything, the outfit, everything. Oh my goodness. Ooh. Well, kudos to you because I, I don't know how to bowl. I just <laughs> <to> the expert. <laughs> and so my next question is so as you know, the the misadventures of the Millennial Virgin podcast is really a safe space that I wanted to create to discuss some of the unspoken truths about faith life love and sex and so of course you being on the show and those who saw the fire have an idea about your own personal journey um or they have an idea that you're on your own personal journey regarding celibacy or abstinence um so tell me a little bit about your faith or your belief system um and then we'll kind of talk about if that played a part a big part in your decision or not okay um so I'm a Christian. Um, I believe in God. I believe he's the author of everything and everyone. Um, when people listen to me speak or um, listen to the podcast, I don't want anybody to think like I'm this perfect Christian. And of course I'm a virgin because I follow, you know, the Bible or whatever it may be. I fall short just like everybody else. I'm not the most consistent one. Um, I didn't grow up in church. 
it was something that I came to find for myself when I went um, away to college. And then I've matured as I've, as I've grown up and, you know, gotten a relationship for myself and found mm-hmm. a church for myself that works for me. And so, um, again, I'm not the, the most perfect Christian, but mm-hmm. I do believe that, you know, God, God has kept me <laughs> and, um, I, I wholeheartedly believe in him. So. Yeah, and obviously he's kept you because you've made a decision and we'll kind of go into that a little bit. And he has kept you mm-hmm. and allowed you to maintain that. Um, but I want to go back to, you said that you didn't grow up in church or anything, but when you went off to college, that's when you really like sought out God for yourself. Yeah. Um, wow. It's something about the South. <laughs> yeah. they the, the South, they don't play about church and, nope. and it's funny because I had a roommate um my first year in college and her I don't know her family was still there and it was the first week and I think it was Saturday night and they were like oh you know we going to church tomorrow and I was just nonchalant I'm sure mm-hmm. I mean if we want and her sister was so baffled that I was not like oh yes we're going to church tomorrow I'm so excited Mm-hmm. And so, um, not that that was a pressure, but, yeah. um, you know, my roommates in college had their own relationships with Christ mm-hmm. and, um, they helped me and molded me, um, mm-hmm. my sorority, we would have, you know, um, events on, on Sundays, we would go to church during, during, um, AKA week or things like that. And so that mm-hmm. helped me find my very first church home in, um, Houston. The Church of uh, and Bethel's family. That was my first church home ever wow. um, in Houston. And so, um, and then, you know, when I came home, I found my own church. So yeah. um, it, it's been interesting to, to do this journey uh, for myself and kind of on my own and not to take away anything from my mom. Mm-hmm. She believes and, and she's a Christian. Um, but I can't follow. My mom isn't going to get me into heaven. Her belief is not going to get me into heaven. So mm, yeah. um, finding that on my own has been pretty cool. Yeah. It's been interesting. And I have to give you the, the poetry snaps right now. I don't know if you can hear them. <laughs> but, but I love that. I mean, that that's like super encouraging because a lot of times it's the reverse so for example myself and a lot of people that I know grew up in church grew up going to church Mm -hmm. every Sunday going every Wednesday two three times during the week and it was like you have a choice (laughs) and then Mm -hmm. it was like when you go off to college you kind of fall away from that and then hopefully, you know, you come back and you start to, like you said, that your mom's belief can't, you know, save you. It's like at some point during college, I feel like for a lot of people that I know, it was like a turning point where it was like, okay, I fell off. I fell away. You know, I know what my parents taught me. How can I like apply this for myself as an adult and figure out how, th- how this applies to my life? And so that's amazing. Like as a young person, on your own right and you know what let me do this so that's awesome that's that's yeah that's it super encouraging 
um, thank you. For, you know, anybody who still is in college and for maybe somebody who wasn't raised, didn't grow up going to church all the time and it's unfamiliar to them. It's like, Hey, look, Melanie did it. You can do it if that's something you believe. So yeah, that's awesome. Right. And I, I think for every part body, you have to find what works for you. I went to a church that was, would be considered a mega church. And I loved it. I thrived there. Um, I joined ministries. I took focus study classes. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. But I got to a point where I needed something that was smaller mm-hmm. and um, more intimate. Yeah. And I went and found that. And and this is at 27. I, I left the church that I had known mm-hmm. for the past five or six years. And I found something that was smaller, mm-hmm. more quaint, more intimate. Um, with a fairly younger congregation um, and I love it and I've actually gotten to the point where I'm like yes I'm going to church on Sunday y'all I'm so excited and you have to find that for yourself just like with a job or a friendship it may not work in the beginning Mm -hmm. but there are so many churches out there There there's so many pastors there's so many ministries and groups to get in Mm-hmm. You just have to keep trying. And so yeah. if it didn't work out at this church, ask a friend or yeah. like I, like I found my church on Instagram. I think I, oh. and I'm a hashtag person. I'm a hashtag person on Instagram. So if I want to find something, I'm like hashtag DMV churches or Maryland churches. Mm-hmm. Um, and I literally came across engaged church, which is in Waldorf. And I went and I felt at home mm-hmm. and that's literally what they say um they they always started off with welcome home and mm-hmm. I actually finally felt like I was home mm-hmm. um that's awesome. so it, it's something you have to find for yourself yeah no that's great um especially because you were saying like hey look if this is not working or if this is something maybe that's not helping you to grow spiritually like that's you know that's what God wants for us to continue like seeking him seeking out his truth you know studying for ourselves and being somewhere that we can grow spiritually and I think that's super awesome and super important and you mentioned that you were going to a, a fairly large church um, initially, mm-hmm. which may, which I was thinking about this earlier today before we started talking, because I, the, the church that I go to, I attend a uh, fifth ward church of Christ in Houston. It's actually not far from TSU. So I don't know if you've ever seen it or if you've been there, um, because it's like in the downtown area too. And oh, wow. I, the, uh, literally yesterday I was at church I was getting ready to leave I was in the parking lot and I met I saw a girl and she stopped me and she was like one of my friends um in, D- in DC in the DC area she told she I saw her that she shared your your uh, podcast flyer online and I was like who's your friend and she was like Melanie and I was like Melanie I was like oh, wait a minute I was like she's gonna be on my podcast I'm actually talking <laughs> to her tomorrow and it didn't even I see her and you're going to have to tell me her name because it was it Lacey. Yes. Lacey. Yes, 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 yes. I knew if <laughs> I heard her name, me and she said, she goes to my church when she saw the flyer. She was like, she goes to my church. I'm like, my world. Yay. Yes. 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 And I knew as soon as you said her name, I was going to remember. Cause it was like really fast. We were passing and she was getting ready to drive out the parking lot. And I was like, man, one, it's a small world. And that's a great thing. 
And then I was like, man, number two, you really do. We do have to be careful what we put out there because you never know. <laughs> who knows? <laughs> who knows? That is so I was just like so amazed. And I, I knew I was like, man, this is nothing but God because there's a reason why we connected. We got in contact. And then bam, Lacey was like, hey, I know her. And I was like, this is all <laughs> happening for a reason. So I just had to put that out there. Um, but yeah, I think it's really awesome. But I brought that up because Fifth Ward is a pretty large congregation. And a lot of times you see people and you speak and you, hey, hi and bye. And that's what me and Lacey did all the time. You know, we see each other. But then like finally, like something like connected us like, hey, I see you all the time. We don't, I, we don't even, you know, always have t- time to stop and have a conversation, but that was like a way to initiate that. Like, so next time we see each other, hey girl, how are you doing? What you been up to? And so, yeah, it's just, just amazing how God works. And next, I wanted to talk about something before we get all into our topic. So <laughs> I, know <that> you, <laughs> I know that you grew up in Maryland. We talked about you grew up in Maryland and how your mom, um, you said that your mom, I think you mentioned your mom works as a guidance counselor and that's kind of where you mm-hmm. got your love for counseling. So is that something you're currently pursuing? Yep. It has been me and my mom for most of my life. Um, my dad was there, but not an active fixture um, in my life. And so it was mom, me and mom and when mom went back to school, um, I went with her because there was nobody to watch me. And mm-hmm. I can recall, you know, being um, in class with her and just, this is, that's where my love for counseling and psychology came from. Um, my mom was very big on education. Mm-hmm. Um, so I knew that I was going to go to college. I knew that I was going to go to grad school. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom was at every parent-teacher conference, mm-hmm. every back-to-school night every awards assembly, every field trip, mm-hmm. even in grad school, when I came back, um, I got inducted into SACI, which is um, International Honor Psychology yeah. uh, Society. Mm-hmm. And my mom came to that. And mind you, I'm in grad school. I think I'm like 23. And yeah. my mom is front row center taking photos. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that, yeah. Is, yeah, that is mom. Yeah. <laughs> and so her love for counseling she's a school counselor um mm-hmm. laid the foundation for me um I graduated from Texas Southern with a bachelor's in psychology um I came back home and got a master's in forensic and legal psychology and so now I'm back in school um getting my master's in mental health counseling so that I can be a therapist mm-hmm. um I'm awesome. you know I'm very big on therapy and you know yeah. mental health especially yeah. in the African african-american community because for years mental health has been so taboo yes um yes. and so that uh, is is my life now school starts yeah. in two weeks <laughs> oh goodness but um yeah. yeah but um yeah my mom was my mom is uh i don't want to call her my best friend because if she was to hear me say that she'd be like she'd probably start crying but Aww. my mom <laughs> and i are are super 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 close like I know everything about her she knows everything about me that's awesome and you know that's a beautiful thing because like as children we kind of grow and we just you know our our mom and our dads or whoever they parent us but then it's like when we become adults that of course they still you know try to guide us and everything but they've already given us 
the tools that they have for us to, you know, be successful. And so then like as an adult, it's like the relation, the dynamics of the relationship changes and it evolves and it can, and it should, I, I feel like does and should become more, um, of a friend. And I think, of course, a mom mm-hmm. always at the end of the day, like, you know, mom, she's always going to have that. Respect mom. She's old. Um, but also friend, because that allows for more open conversations and you maybe can talk mm-hmm. about you couldn't when you were 12, 13, 14, 15, you know? And so that's just awesome. That's really awesome. Um, <clears throat> but we're actually in similar fields. So I'm actually, I'm in grad school right now for social work and Woo-hoo! I yes. love it <laughs> so much. Like I, I didn't, when I graduated from undergrad, I did not expect to go back to school. I did not enjoy school. I was not one of those people who just liked going to class every day and liked doing homework. But Mm -hmm. just over time, like when I started with my nonprofit and then I started doing other things, it just, I knew knew that God was leading me in that direction. And I feel like if if I say, okay, I have faith, I'm going to allow God to order my steps. I have to take those steps, you know, and school was one of those steps. And I fell in love with social work and it's just, I have, I graduated in August, Lord willing, but, um, it's so, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. (laughs) Oh, yes, (laughs) ma'am. And so we're claiming that. Yes. Yes. Claiming it. Um, but like counseling and social work, all those fields, fields, you know, very similar and just seeing like how people grow up and how we, you know, our upbringings, our environments and our experiences really do shape the choices that we make. Um, and so um, that kind of leads me to my, to our big conversation. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, of course, this is the misadventures of the, the Millennial Virgin podcast. And the subject for today is celibacy and abstinence and how that's relevant as a millennial living in today's society. And so as a 20, 27 years old, right? Yep. What is your take on celibacy? And why is it important? And what is your kind of give us a little bit of a window into your decision or your journey as far as celibacy? Um, yeah, sure. So, um, if you guys don't know, um, <laughs> I am 27 years old and I am a virgin. I have never had sex. Um, and when I tell people that friends or anybody that I'm dating, they are completely blown away. Mm-hmm. Is this, it's as if I'm a unicorn and they're like, yeah. oh, virgins still exist? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, the, the, after I tell someone, the next question always, it always is, you know, how did you, what, why? Like, how did you get there? Yeah. And I can be, honestly, I don't know when in my childhood I made that decision. Um, as I stated earlier, I didn't necessarily grow up in church. So mm-hmm. I'm going to be honest, it was not based on a biblical principle, a biblical foundation. It was um, something that I felt that I should do. And so, you know, um, and my mom wasn't a virgin until marriage. Um, My dad wasn't, there was nobody in my family that was 
pushing it on me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I, I went off to college and, you know, in college, that's when you wild out, especially mm-hmm. when yeah. so, <laughs> 1400 miles away from home being so far away. Right. Um, but I, I stayed the course in college. And so I said, you know, I'm going to wait until I get married. Uh-huh. And so made that decision when I thought I was going to get married, you know, out, right out of college, you know, right. you know, as a kid, you're like, oh, I'm going to go to college. I'm going to meet my husband. I'm going to get married. I'm going to have kids. You have this timeline. Right. And when I graduated and there were no prospects, right. I'm not going to lie. I shifted and it changed from, I'm going to wait until marriage shifted from that to okay I'm gonna wait until I um, meet somebody and fall in love and and everything Mm -hmm. and as I entered into middle adulthood young adulthood I kept that same mentality but I never quite met someone that I felt comfortable enough with to Mm -hmm. give them my body yeah and in this last dating I call it a dating cycle um, I met someone who I felt comfortable enough with, um, and I, I remember having a conversation with my best friend, and she was not happy, because my best friend was a virgin until she got married, and mm-hmm. my best friend was not happy <laughs> that I was I contemplating. She wasn't. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but thankfully, we, you know, we, we didn't work out, and not for that reason but we just didn't work out and for the first time I believe I said okay God I am I am promising you mm-hmm. that I am waiting until marriage and so I shifted back to that um and I think it it it's 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 truly because I felt that that has been minimized mm-hmm. um in today's society that sex only looked at as a physical component yeah and in my opinion sex is just so much more yeah. it's such a, a spiritual um emotional connection it's a soul tie mm-hmm. that's exactly mm-hmm. what it is mm-hmm. and I do not want my soul tied to just any old body I I, I can't I, I couldn't do that yeah um I'm not one for casual sex I know that I'm too emotional my friends tell me now, Mommy, you, you're too emotional yeah. to have casual sex. And, yeah, you know, I'm real, I'm real with myself. It's just not something I can do. Right. Um, I'm sure I could lose my virginity and probably fall in love, want to marry the person tomorrow. And so, yeah. Um, yeah. Being, being honest, now where I am, the, my biggest why is it's a soul tie. And I, I don't want any, I don't want my soul to be tied to anybody but my husband. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that's, that's so important. Different. That's so important what you said about how sex is more than just physical. And I think that you're right how just the overall culture that we live in has made it seem like this you know, well, if you like it, you don't like it, you can move on to the next person. And if you like, mm-hmm. the next person, then go ahead. And if two people y'all to agree, then it's okay, go ahead. And you know, it's nothing wrong with it. But I mean, technically, yeah, that's fine. You know, you have the freedom to do whatever you want to do. But it doesn't mean that, you know, as a Christian, that it's something that God wants from us. Um, 
And so, yeah, I think that's, that's so huge that you, what you said that sex is more than just physical, you know, like it's so complicated. <laughs> so you also mentioned that you kind of went from your initial choices. Okay. I'm gonna wait till marriage. And then you know what? You felt like maybe it was take too long. Okay. I'll wait until mm-hmm. I meet someone I love and I fall in love with that person. And then we'll, and then you were like, you know what? Nope. I'm gonna trust God and I'm gonna do it his way. Um, what do you think, what, what was it that like took you to get to that point to set, to just like really resubmit to what God wanted? What was it that kind of, what the light bulb that really went off for you at that point? You, you kind of said it. I was relying more on my plan than God's plan. And so that Mm -hmm. in between of me saying, nope, I'm waiting. I'm not, I'm just gonna wait till I fall in love. It was because I'm like, uh, excuse me. You know, there's this societal pressure that you should be married by a certain time and have kids by a certain time and have your life together by a certain yeah. time and have your house by a certain time or whatever. In that timeline, me, I, you know, I'm looking at God like, sir, excuse me. Um, I had this timeline and I've been faithful and I've done this and I've done that. And what's happening? So I'm going to take this into my own hands. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, I had to suffer the consequences of it. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. yeah, I'm working on having that faith that, okay, God, you're going to send me somebody who's either already on the walk themselves or somebody that's saying, Melanie, I'm going to take that walk with you. Yeah, girl, there you go. The poetry steps again. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I feel, I felt that. That is so true. And that's the thing. Like, so, and the Bible talks about, I'm not, I can't remember the scripture off the top of my head. I'm sure it'll come to me, but it talks about being equally yoked. And so, of course, the scripture is saying, you know, about being unequally yoked with those who do not believe at all. But that also applies to the way that we live our lives. So if we're with someone and they're like, okay, no, I'm, I'm not waiting. And I don't, I, I don't want you to wait either. Like that relationship is going to clash. I am a prime example, <laughs> you know, like being with someone and it's like, okay, initially, okay, I, I, that's cool. I, I can do that. And then as time goes on, it's like, oh, you were serious. Um, second Corinthians, that's oh, oh, oh. Corinthians six. It's like you, the part, it's like, it's almost like it's the same. It's a very similar thing. What I'm trying, what am I trying to say? So being, you know, in a relationship with someone who hasn't made that decision on their own, but not even just that they don't fully support the fact that you made that decision and they don't, they're not really completely on board. And so it creates a lot of conflict. And so it creates, you know, more and more temptation that's already there. And then it's like, okay, well, you know, I I do like this person. I do love this person or I can see myself falling in love with this person. So we start to compromise because we want our way instead of what God's will is. So, <laughs> and so, and yeah. I always, mm-hmm. no, go ahead. No, go ahead. You good. So I, I always um, carry this model that I'm going to be respected. And so mm-hmm. it can go one of two ways in dating. You can respect me and say, and after I tell you, you know, I'm waiting until marriage, you can say one, Melanie, I respect you enough to know that that's not, I can't do that. I don't think I can wait until marriage. And just as much as 
I would ask him to respect my decision, I will respect yours. Because everybody has their non-negotiables or the things that they are willing to compromise on. Or And I, again, as much as I ask you to respect my, my decision, I will respect yours. Yeah. Or it can go another way and it can go, Melanie, I, I hear you, I respect you, and I will take this walk with you. But what will never happen and what has never happened, thankfully, is I have never been in a relationship where we got together, they understood, they said, yes, I'm cool with it. And I've been pressured. And then they flipped the script and like, oh, nah, nah. Oh, you were serious? Oh, well, can we just, no, I've never had that that happen. And as I said, I will always be respected. And in Mm -hmm. this journey of virginity and celibate abstinence you you spoke on compromise one of the biggest temptations is well we not having sex but can we do other things yes yes and yes you you contemplated and you do it or you don't do it yeah but after you do it you're like yeah I shouldn't have yeah and let's be real that's only going to sustain for so long and you also lose not to lose your your standing but it becomes it it kind of becomes watered down it was like well you said you waiting until marriage but you you just did whatever you did or you let me do whatever I did right and so that's one of I'm I'm not I'm be honest that's one of the hardest parts of maintaining my virginity it's yeah. not compromising on my stance yeah. completely. Yeah. So like what you were saying is basically like boundaries. Because when we don't have boundary clear boundaries mm-hmm. and then or when we have those boundaries but we we're really not quite convicted in those boundaries. We maybe just say them because that's what it sounds good or we feel like that's what we're supposed to do or supposed to say. When those boundaries are not clear and they're not clear for both parties. It makes it harder and so when those boundaries aren't there it's it's like okay we're not doing this well we didn't we didn't do all that or we didn't have right right <laughs> like how much, how much can you get away with still be a virgin or how much can you get away with for right. still be considered being celibate and so it really is a tricky slope and I think that's where um so like with my nonprofit, like one of our uh, pillars is purity and it's not just not having sex it's being pure which really starts in our minds in the things that we think right. about the things that we watch the things that we listen to mm. and so <laughs> yeah all those- I, and I was having I was having a conversation um a little while ago is there are certain things that I can't do anymore now that I'm serious about maintaining my virginity there's certain there's certain books I can't read there are certain movies I can't watch I used to love um what's that song when we by tank that was my jam and then I was I was like I can't listen to this I can't uh -uh, Mm uh-uh because it not it takes me there but I'm like Mm -hmm. oh well what are you talking about I want to know Mm-hmm. It's just certain things yeah. and conversations that I can't have anymore mm-hmm. because just as if you're, you know, trying to stay away from sweets, you're not going to go into the cupcake or the cake store. You're not going to go down the cookie aisle or the sweets aisle. So just as you're trying to stick with a diet, 
I'm trying to say, hey, I, I'm trying to walk this walk so I can't entertain these right. things anymore. Yeah, so true. So speaking of, you know, boundaries and all that, what would you say is kind of the, the biggest challenges? So with dating, what, is, what would you say is one of the biggest challenges um, in maintaining those boundaries? Um, compromise, as we kind of talked about, mm-hmm. um, temptation, and also knowing your boundaries. Mm-hmm. So I always feel like, although I may be with someone who is respecting my boundaries, am I respecting my boundaries? Mm-hmm. So um, if I'm, if we're saying, hey, we're not going to each other's house, and he says he's cool with that, me being strong and saying, okay, you're right, let's not do this. Mm-hmm. So when you were saying like knowing your own boundaries, I think that kind of falls in lines with like knowing yourself, knowing like mm-hmm. your triggers, knowing the things that are going to like make you fall into temptation more or be more prone to temptation. So like triggers can be like men in general are supposedly like more visual, right? Some people right. are, you know, their, their ears are more stimulated. Like they hear certain things like, so they can't listen to certain music. You know, if somebody says something and says something a certain way that might, you know, kind of set them off or even, you know, certain touch, touching a certain area, like outside of holding hands, you know, maybe for, maybe holding hands might be a trigger to some people. I don't know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but like knowing those things about yourself, communicating them with whoever you're with, whoever you're going to be dating or, you know, whatever. I think that's also important because it's like, okay, I need to know what my triggers are so that I know what boundaries to set so that I know what boundaries to set in my relationship and communicate that to the other person so yeah yeah definitely yeah oh my goodness this is this is awesome and so (laughs) (laughs) so of course people like oh 27 years or 29 years how you never had any temptation what did you you know you just it was it just a breeze oh you don't understand you've never had sex before so you don't know what it's like I've had people say stuff like that. And so, but we know that's not true, right? And so, but even in general, like people talk about peer pressure, you know, as a young person, peer pressure doesn't go away after you're young. It doesn't disappear at 18, you know, it stays with you. Um, So what do you, what is your experience with peer pressure? Is that something you've experienced? Um, So just kind of talk about that. Um, As far as peer pressure, as as I stated earlier, you know, I've never been in um, a relationship or dating someone that pressured me into having sex. So I don't, I don't, I've never gotten it in that um, arena. My friends and coworkers and coworkers turned friends and, you know, line sisters, sorority sisters, mm-hmm. um, friends from college. A lot of people know that, you know, I'm a virgin. And so I don't, they don't pressure me. They are completely, um, they encourage it. Yeah. They, you know, and they'll say like, I don't know how you do it, girl, but <laughs> hey, keep, keep on. Yeah. Um, so I don't necessarily get the, you know, that pressure from friends. Um, mm-hmm. And it, most of my pressure yeah. probably comes from honestly social media and mm-hmm. those influences that I don't know personally. And that's a blessing. That's one thing I haven't dealt with. And maybe if I have, um, I've built a pretty good um, self-control and discipline that Mm -hmm. it ain't nothing you can tell me, pumpkin, that's going to make me change. (laughs) 
what I've decided yeah. to do. So exactly, exactly. And so my my next question is and this is kind of this is actually a conversation that I've had with like different friends who you know are on a similar path and it's always this question of well when is the best time to tell somebody that you're waiting until you get married (laughs) and it's like oh do I tell them on the first date you know you tell me your your perspective and I'll I'll share you (laughs) what I think (laughs) yes um I have had that conversation um with a few friends I remember this one guy I was dating um, we went on a few dates and I realized he just wasn't, I wasn't interested in him. And so when one of the later dates, he said, oh, do you want to go get a hotel room? And I was like, excuse me. And so then, you know, I expressed to him, hey, I'm not, I'm not, gonna, I'm not having sex until marriage. And I promise you, I got an 100 word essay of him in the most eloquent way, cursing me out. And telling me, you know, that I was a prude and I wasted his time and, you know, I should have told him in the beginning. And I remember sharing this with someone and and, and it was a female and she said, yeah, that's something you have to say on the first date. No, it's not. Because how I feel is you may not get to a second date. So what I'm telling you on the first date for, I don't even know if I'm going to like you enough for there to be a second date. Or for me to even decide that I want to pursue this. Um, And I've gotten that question before. Honestly, it's something that just comes up in conversation. Um, If it happens on the first date, I I did date one person. And we talked about a lot on the first date. And Mm -hmm. I told him, and he was like, okay, cool. Like, I'm cool with that. It wasn't this big production and he wasn't like well why like I don't understand it was perfectly fine um in other relationships it came up Mm -hmm. um a little later maybe you know three or four weeks in Mm -hmm. Um, but my advice to anybody is you make that decision when you feel comfortable and Mm -hmm. it shouldn't you shouldn't feel pressured to have to tell somebody on the first date or the second date or the third date or the fourth date or the fifth date um because that what you're comfortable in yeah. doing and so there's there's no blueprint or rule book of when you're supposed to tell someone now do tell them before you get yourself in a compromising position right <laughs> they're like wait what I thought we was you know yeah. um, tell them well before you get there yeah yeah um, yeah so but what about you you know what's your your take on it yeah, so I am totally with you as far as not having to, not being obligated to tell a person on the first date. Um, I'll be honest with you, like when I was in college, I did, like as soon as I met a person, <laughs> because, <laughs> because I just thought that's just what you do. Like I didn't really date before college, and so I got to college, I was like, okay, I need to tell people because I don't want them to, you know, be confused down the line. And I I felt like more of an obligation, you know, but as time went on, I was like, that's personal. And that's Mm -hmm. like, I don't owe anybody that information um, on a date. Like, it's just not, you know, just like they don't tell me their deepest, darkest secrets about themselves on the first date. Um, Not if it just happens organically like that. Okay. But for me, I don't, I don't, I definitely don't believe it needs to be the first date. And let me tell you something. So have you heard of Tony Gaskins before? He's like a, he's an author and he's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh 
Yeah. So I was re I was looking through like his Q and A thing, and somebody asked him a very similar question. They were like, "When do I tell men that I'm, you know, not having sex till I get married?" And he was like, "You don't have to tell them at all." because it's one it's not it's none of their business if you haven't established a relationship with them but two as you're getting to know each other that the your values will come up automatically and it won't be like yep. hey by the way i'm not like no by the way you conduct yourself by the fact that you're not going to that person's house staying over you know putting yourself in those different positions it's going to come up and it's going to show in that way so you're not required and obligated to tell a guy who takes you out to eat on the first day and you're you're telling him all your personal information um so i wholeheartedly agree with that um but i think that you know everybody's different you know some people might feel like it is necessary to tell on the first day i think that was part of right. myself I, I think that was like for me a defense mechanism in a way mm-hmm. <laughs> like okay i can keep the strays away if i tell them right away and they'll go off if their motives aren't right but just now I'm in a space where in general, if a person, if a guy meets me, I don't know, you know, how, I don't know who I'm going to marry, but you know, if that's something that God has for my life, but I don't feel like I need to, Hey, by the way, I'm not having sex. So I get married. You okay with that? You know, like, it's just gonna, you're going to know who I am as you're getting to know me. You're going to know what I stand for. Um, so I, be- I feel like that's the way it should go. Um, yeah. I, and I, I love, I love how you say that. Like my character and my values will show well before we even have the conversation. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 And, you know, and it in that way, because that's the, that's where it's important to create those boundaries for yourselves and be consistent because when we're consistent, mm-hmm. it's like, Oh, that, Oh, you're not, I couldn't tell. And then, you know, it's kind of like sending mixed signals and the person is confused. Like, well, no, you're not going to be confused. Cause I'm, you gonna know. Um, so I think that that's important too, is like being honest with ourselves and then being consistent in our behavior too, will show that. And you, so the person, it's not like, Oh, I'm, I didn't know that. I had no idea. I thought we was going, you know, do some stuff. No. <laughs> right. <laughs> what gave you that? I don't know why you thought that. Because, right. you know, I've never given that off. Yeah, exactly. And so, of course, you know, we kind of talked about temptation. We talked about boundaries and all that. And so I kind of want to get into like the unspoken truths about it. So a lot of times, and I'm going to speak from my perspective as somebody who grew up in church, going to church and grew up, you know, in the Christian faith, it was automatic. Don't have sex. And that's Mm -hmm. just what it was expected. That was preached out of the pulpit. That's what your parents either said or expected. And that was it. No discussion. But a lot of people were doing it anyway. And so these are the, this is kind of a topic that does not get discussed because it's like, ooh, I'm uncomfortable talking about sex. And I think that a lot of times people are uncomfortable talking about it because like society has made sex bad or it's made it shit. Right. But sex is not bad. Sex is a nope. great thing because God created it. That's just meant for a certain time and a place um, between husband and a wife. And so what would you say, um, I guess, a way to kind of overcome that? You know, people who maybe are not comfortable talking about sex, what would you say is a, a good way to become more comfortable talking about that? And why is that important? I think you have to have people around you um, that you trust. 
that are kind of on the same path as you and that are, are similar with you, but that are open and honest. Because what's beautiful is I didn't grow up in church. Um, my best friend did. And so I can have those open and honest conversations with her mm -hmm. um, about sex. I don't talk to her too much about sex now because she's married. And that's just something I don't, I don't want to know. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. but I, I can also, you know, have these open and honest dialogues and conversations with good friends of mine. Mm -hmm. And I can ask them things and I can talk to them about it. And I would say it's because of my social circle that some days I'm, I'm, I've teeter-tottered and they can be real with me. I had a conversation with a, with a friend of mine the other day and I was telling her, you know, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm, I'm we're recording for it on Monday and I'm so nervous. And, you know, I just, I, part of me is like, you know, God, is this, am I, am I worthy enough to tell my story? Like, I don't think I'm the most perfect person. And, you know, I've struggled with this. And she was like, mommy, you could tell your story. Like, why can't you? And she said, I'm so proud of you. You've done this. And I'm going to continue to encourage you to maintain your virginity. And we had an open and honest dialogue about sex and mm -hmm. how it's soul ties and how, um, you know, even in her past, not that she's regretted having sex, but she has sometimes regretted giving her body to certain men. Mm -hmm. And so I think you, it's, it's all about who you have in your circle. It's all about the company you keep. And if you don't feel like you can go to your mom or your dad or a pastor or, you know, a minister, somebody at your church, mm -hmm. there should be people around you who you can go to for advice. You know, I have friends from college. I have, you know, friends here, people I grew up with. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And I get the sexist taboo. I get mm -hmm. that it can be taboo, excuse me. Yeah. Um, and that it literally was don't have that. Right, exactly. Don't have that. Yeah. And it was just like, but why? Like, is it this horrible thing? And then yeah. it would be like, if you have sex, you're going to have a kid. That was the other one. Right. Like, and don't bring no babies <laughs> into this house. Like, yeah, that's what like, it was. What? He's like, you're not bringing no shame on the family and on the church and all right. this. And no, you're not doing right. That. Yeah, yeah. That That's really, it's amazing to have um, a support system like that. And really accountability. Because mm -hmm. even though all, even though everyone that you know may not be on the same journey, they still support your decision and they still encourage you and still hold you accountable as well. And I think that's so important um, on this journey because it's not a it's not a cakewalk, you know. Despite what some right. people think, um, because God made us a certain way, of course, and He made us to desire certain things. And so just because, you know, a person is a virgin or is, being, is practice, practicing celibacy doesn't mean that they don't still struggle the same as everybody else. Um, so, yeah, I believe I totally agree with you that having accountability is so important. Um, and I'm, I'm really glad you talked about that. What would you say, what's some advice, I guess, if you, if you have any, it's some advice to someone who's listening right now and they're like, wow, okay celibacy okay wow you're waiting till you're married okay hmm I've seen it I've thought about it haven't made that decision yet I want some more information on how I can really apply that to my life so what would you Melanie um what advice <laughs> would you give to someone 
who is contemplating practicing abstinence or celibacy? Um, as you said earlier, it's it's not a cakewalk. And you know, I've kind of touched on the not the the downfalls or the pitfalls. Or the, we've kind of talked about the struggles, mm-hmm. but there are also like some positives in it. Um, I can enter into dating someone or a relationship, and if they're a red flag, I can see them um, objectively because I'm not blinded by sex. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I've I've dated you know different different guys, and there was red flags that like I saw out the side of my, the corner of my eye. And I was like, nah, I don't want to look. I don't want to look because, you know, I, I kind of <laughs> like this person. Yeah. But I can only imagine if we had sex on top of that. Yeah. And my soul was tied to them. And it's harder for me to make that decision to walk away when I've had sex with you. Yeah. Um, and so you, you're able to, to see things objectively. You're able to know if somebody is there for you because or in a relationship with you because they genuinely do love and care for you or if they're there for one thing and one thing only. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, for those who are abstinent, um, practicing celibacy or thinking about it, um, I kind of want them to know that if you are having sex right now and you're going back and forth on whether you want to um, enter into a season of abstinence or celibacy, I want them anyone to know that you have every right to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say that because I was having a conversation with a friend and he was dating a girl or he was getting to know her. And I don't know what her um, particular milestone was, but I know she was waiting to have sex. I don't think it was necessarily to marriage, but it was, she was waiting on something. Yeah. And he kind of was just coming to me and he, he was like, well, Melanie, I mean, you know, I mean, am I supposed to wait for her? Like, I mean, she had sex before, so I don't really, I mean, I get it, but I mean, why she, why she wait until she got with me to decide that she wanted to do this? And I told him point blank, because she can. (laughs) She has every right. She has every single right Mm -hmm. to make that decision to wait until she's in a relationship, a committed relationship until it's been a year, two years, whatever time limit, whatever timeline she has, mm-hmm. she has every right to do that. Yes. And you can't take that power from her. And mm-hmm. I'm sure there are people who are contemplating this because they're afraid of what people are going to say. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've been having sex before, so why can't you just have sex with me? Yes. Um, they yeah. may be in a relationship with someone and they're afraid that if they say, hey, I don't want to have sex, that they're going to walk away. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But my mm-hmm. biggest yeah. encouragement is yeah. if you want to make that decision, you have every single right yeah. to make that decision and to change your ways. Yeah. And if Billy Bob Joe, whatever his name is, mm-hmm. can't respect that, mm-hmm. then you don't need to be with them. Don't yeah. ever let someone take that power away from you yeah. because you have every right to make that decision yeah. and let virgins or anyone who wants to be absent or celibate or is absent and celibate let your yes be yes and your no be your no mm-hmm. yes i'm waiting until marriage yes i'm yes i'm absent yes i'm celibate no i'm not having sex with you right. and own that say it with confidence mm-hmm. articulate that with confidence and you have that right, you have that power. It is your body and you can mm-hmm. 
make that decision whether you've had sex with one person, two people, or 30 people. You have every right to make that decision. Yes, I'm so glad you said that because there are people that I know and I've talked to who allow their past to stop them from moving Mm. forward. And I think that can be all of us in different areas Mm -hmm. of our life. A lot of times it's like, well, I've had sex before, you know, why, like, I can't go back. I can't get my virginity back, you know, but that's about God's grace and his mercy because no matter what we've done in the past, whether we've had sex, haven't had sex, but crossed our boundaries, had, you know, lustful thoughts, whatever the case might be, God is still able to restore and redeem us from that. And we're still able to move forward. All we have to mm-hmm. do is open our minds and decide, okay, I'm going to do this different. I'm going to change. I'm going to make that change for my life. And so I think that's so important. And I, I think I wish that more people knew that their past does not have to dictate our future. And it, we do have to work through it. But I think it's so important to know that and not to allow anybody who know who knew us back then, who mm-hmm. did things mm-hmm. back then, to look to, you know, be worried about, oh my goodness, I'm seeing I'm celibate now. But Joe Schmo knew me back then and me and Joe Schmo did some stuff and I hung out right. with them, and they knew the things that I used to do and they're gonna judge me. Well, they can't because they got their own life that they need to worry about. So I think that's so important. Another unspoken truth about our faith and about sex, because it's like your past does not have to be your future. You know, we, as long as we have blood, warm blood in our bodies, you know, and we can, we're still here. We have our a right mind. We can make change. We can change, you know, for the better and really grow and be who God called us to be. So yes, that's so true. Well, Melanie, this has been a great <laughs> conversation. <laughs> Thanks. It, ha- it, it has been like, like, it it was a breeze. It was just like, you know, I'm chatting with my friend, girl. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> it was so it was really great. I mean, I feel like oh, this does not have to be the first the only time that we chat. We can definitely do another episode because it's so much to talk about. We definitely didn't cover everything. Um, I just kind of wanted to have someone share, hey, this is the choice that I'm making. This is what some of the struggles are, but there's so many benefits. Oh, but before we finish, I do want to talk a little bit more about those benefits. So you mentioned that you can be objective in your relationships. That is mm-hmm. huge because, first of all, especially as women, we already, you know, can be emotional. And then, like, when sex comes into the picture, we think that that's love and we think, you know. And so as right. women, we're already going to be, you know, invested in a situation but then when sex is added to it but when sex is off the table it's not an option we really are one able to see the relationship for what it is see that person for who they are but then see ourselves for how we're contributing to that relationship whether it's good or bad um and really see how we can move forward into our next relationship um and how we can be better and find the things that we really do want in a person not just settle for okay, you kind of have a few of the things, you know, I can tolerate this. And so, cause I'm having sex with this person. Now I feel like they're, they're even better than I thought they were. No, not really. You probably shouldn't. Nope. Um, but, right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, I think that's really, really important to really understand. And on top of that, you know, because you said that you initially made your choice, it was not for religious reasons. 
And I know that there's other people who make a choice to be celibate and it's not for religious reasons, um, which I think is really, really, really great. And so it falls back into, you know, being objective and not allowing sex, not really clouding our judgment. But as far as as Christians, I think at the end of the day, like no matter how we're living our lives and no matter what it is, whether it's about sex or whatever, there's like so much peace that comes with knowing that I'm living how God wants me to live. That I know I'm not going to be right. I know I'm going to make mistakes, but I'm striving to live and be the person, the Christian that God has called me to be. So I think that is all, Melanie, for today anyway. <laughs> for today, yes. <laughs> yes. This has been great. I have really enjoyed chatting with you. Before we go, because we can't go without letting the people know, who is this 27-year-old version? Where can we follow her on social media and so we can see some encouragement from her? <laughs> Where can the listeners follow you? What's your social media? Um, and yeah, so we can start with that. Um, so I'm on Facebook, um, Melanie in County. I was thinking so. C-O-U-N-T-E-E. Um, on what's it, Instagram, it's underscore, underscore anchored. Um, A-N-C-H-O-R-E-D. Um, and I don't really use Twitter. The only thing I use Twitter for is to, like, the other night I was watching 90 Day Fiance, and so I was just keeping up with, like, what other people were saying, so I was following the hashtag. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't really use yeah, Twitter. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Um, yes. Instagram and Facebook are the ones I use the most. So you are a future therapist. How much longer do you have left in school? Um, um, hopefully, um, if, if I, if I push it, I can be done fall 2020. Um, but that's another timeline thing where I'm like, this is my timeline mm-hmm. this is my timeline. And, yeah. you know, even though I am in the counseling field, I have a therapist and that's mm-hmm. what I'm working on in therapy. Yeah. Um, you know, that's one of the things she's like, Melanie, you don't burn yourself out. Like yeah. you will get there yeah. and, um, don't, you know, if if you don't take a summer class like this, I was supposed to take a winter session, um, mm-hmm. which would have been, I think four days a week for three hours for three weeks. And she told me, she said, Melanie, be realistic. You've been on the go for, for years. Yeah. Do you really need to? put yourself through a winter class just so you can say, oh, you graduated, you know, at this, this time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm, I'm striving for fall 2020, but if it's spring 2021, I'm still going to be a therapist. I yeah. still got my degree. Yeah. So, um, yeah. but by the end of 2021, I will be Melanie in County LGPC. And that's that. <laughs> Tell the people what that stands for. <laughs> Licensed graduate professional counselor. Oh, I yeah. can't wait. <laughs> well, I'm I so look, excited. <laughs> I look forward to celebrating with you because I know that we will still be in touch. And I'm so yeah. excited and glad and excited for you to be pursuing your career as a therapist to empower other people to be their best selves. 
And that's really like what it all boils down to being our best selves and being the best that God has created us to be and reaching back and empowering other people to do the same. So congratulations to you in advance. Thank you for being on the show. And I thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Thank you for answering all my questions because I felt like I just kept emailing you like, oh, am I supposed to do this? Am I supposed to do No, you're good. This was great. This was even like a, even though I had questions and stuff, I didn't even like follow the script that I had created. It just flowed. It was just a really good conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, And I believe it will bless the lives of the listeners of the Misadventures of the Millennial Version podcast. And that is all we have for y'all today. Stay tuned for episode three coming in two weeks. Thank you, Melanie. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Have a good night. <laughs> you too. Bye. Bye-bye.